It's time for Girls in Golf Podcast with your favorite hosts, Lex and Sarah. Ladies, when you're ready. Welcome to Girls in Golf, our first virtual school podcast. I'm Lex. Sarah is joining me from her living room. And today we are joined by Sandra Gall, LPGA Tour winner, all the way in Germany, I believe. Correct. Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, so today we're going to do something kind of fun. We got a few questions um, for Sandra through our Callaway community. And um, Sarah had a pretty cool idea of something that she and Sandra could do while we talk today. Yeah. So um, I'm super into art. I love painting. And so does Sandra. So um, we're going to have a little painting challenge today. And I thought we could make it like a Bob Ross type theme just because everyone's so kind of stressed out right now it's difficult times and bob ross always has like a really positive vibe so (laughs) that's the goal is just to paint something super fun and relaxing and positive and just have fun with it uh for those people that don't know sandra you your rookie year was in 2008 so you've been playing on tour for quite a while and really Mm -hmm. impressive by the way um you won the kid classic in 2011 you've played in two solheim cups and you went to the olympics um, it's pretty crazy to think probably back on your time in golf and how much things have changed and how much you've grown. Do you feel like you've made a big evolution over your career so far? Oh, yes. Massive. I mean, I feel like a completely different person. Um, yeah, on so many levels, I think not just as a golfer, but as a person as well. And also kind of a shift in perspective and priority. So if so much happens in such a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you've taught, you've been really open about your shift in um, your mental approach to the game and to life, right. From mm-hmm. your medical break that you took. Um, mm-hmm. And you've started focusing on more on meditation and your yoga and like body movement. Can you tell us a little bit about, like what that's done for your mindset? Yeah, I mean, um, it was a wild year last year, but um, I think, uh, like you said in your question, um, I, I focus a lot on and um, prioritizing myself before uh, the game. And I think that's changed a lot of things. Um, so yes, I've definitely before did some meditation, you know, the last few years, but it was kind of just sitting meditation or, you know, just stillness. And I've just explored other things like moving my body, dancing, you know, music, singing, um, and just other things that come a little bit more from the heart, like what I just feel at this moment, what I like to do, what gives me joy, what brings me joy, and um, just really reconnecting with my heart and um, letting my heart lead. And I think that's uh, been, yeah, quite a journey. And um, yeah, I really wanted to see how it pans out this year, but it's <laughs> been on hold, you know, but, uh, you know, it's a never ending journey. So it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. And you can see, like, I can see how confident you are and how like comfortable you are with yourself. So it's really translated really well um, oh, through you. you. Yeah. Um, you also, you know, we've lost Marilyn Smith last year mm-hmm. and you said about her, I'll always think of her as the extra extraordinary being who cracked open my heart. Can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Yeah. Well, you know, um, we've been friends for about two years before she passed and I used to call her every Sunday. So it really developed the bond to her with her and she just had such a big heart and, 
uh, she always reminded me to pretty much do exactly what I have kind of discovered more for myself these past few months. But at that time, I like heard it, but I couldn't really translate it into what I was doing. You know, she she was always such a she always said she was a people person, and you know everything around you know the people, the connection, um, and mm -hmm. that was always more important to her than any result or any tournament. You know, when I when I asked her what she remembered the most from her whole career, it was never like, oh, I won this tournament or this is what we did. It was more, okay, I love the people and I love connecting to them. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's kind of, you know, something that I think people are rediscovering right now, which is connection and um, like the human connection is what matters a lot more than anything else. Right. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, okay. Let's get to one of the listener questions. Um, did you have a chance to test some of the new equipment before this whole thing happened before, with the season? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Um, basically, I tested the driver. Um, and so the Maverick driver and a couple new wedges, which I loved. And the driver I love as well. I just haven't had enough time to really play a lot with it. Um, right. And then, you know, the woods, funny enough, they were on back order from China because of the virus, so I couldn't test them. So it was really crazy. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, the driver had some great numbers, and, yeah. Well, Douglas wanted to know what your thoughts are on the Jaws wedges. Okay. Um, I just really like their design, and I finally switched to them because... I used to had a hard time kind of adapting, like always pick the wedge. Okay, I love this wedge to hit it on, off like, you know, just tight grass or the bunker. And this one I felt like I loved it from both surfaces and I could really adapt and change with it. So um, I did a lot of little short game competitions these last couple of months with my buddies. Uh, so I got a lot of practice in. That's cool. Yeah, they, that's been definitely a huge, um, like, compliment on people is the backspin. And there's another person, uh, Captain Hacker, asked if there's <laughs> one tip. <laughs> I know the names are pretty great. If there's one thing you can concentrate on during a less than 60-yard wedge shot to add backspin, what would it be? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. One thing I think is keeping up the speed. Uh, is the most important thing. You know, you can create backspin if you don't have speed. Uh, so if you, um, you know, either way, if you open it up or you have a square club face, you can create spin both ways, but really kind of creating a crisp contact and keeping the speed up. Nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we have another question from Ron LF1AC. Um, and his question is, what tees do the women play compared to us mortals? What shaft flexes do you and most of the other players play? Okay. Um, so I'd say that most of us play a regular, uh, a regular men's shaft. Um, and what tees do we play? Well, I think tees just vary, right? They're so relative to each golf course, but we pretty much play a distance somewhere between um 64 and 6700 yards um so whatever color 
that is on your local golf course. I'm not sure. <laughs> Have you found that um, that that's like a common question for you about like your your shaft flexes and whatnot? Because I think people probably don't even realize that like your guys club makeup is not not like that far off as far as like the actual stiffness of shafts right at least on some clubs you mean like across the board on the lpga um yeah i guess like i mean it's different for everybody right obviously everyone's swing is different their speed and whatnot but like a lot of people would think that maybe you guys wouldn't play like a steel shaft in your irons and that's not necessarily true mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think it, it definitely varies but um you know obviously shaft strength is just dependent on your club head speed and um <clears throat> i'd say we hit it uh a lot further than the average golfer so that's why our our uh, stiffness is you know more towards like a regular men's yeah you've also talked a little bit about like how you know the movement and um you're more body aware now so you've like thought about different muscles that you have and how to activate those in your swing can you tell us um how that's changed like maybe your distance or your power mm -hmm. um yeah i think i've always been pretty aware and i've did a lot of different workouts with different trainers and i think i learned a lot during uh, my career and this winter i just thought that i am going to just kind of listen to my body and do exercises that really feel good for me and that obviously also I know I need to prevent injuries and um, to strengthen for my swing. And um, I feel really good right now. Like I feel really strong and um, I've still been working on a few things in my swing. So I don't think that my strength that I have in my body has completely translated to my swing yet. Um, but I think it's actually like a really good opportunity right now to not hit golf balls that I'm, you know, seeing how they fly, but I can just do some dry swings and really work on my technique because I think now my strength is going to translate if I just have a bit more time to do that. Um, yeah, it was strange. I, I felt like I wasn't quite ready when we were about to start the tournaments and then, you know, everything got postponed and it was like, wow, like I get another chance to actually kind of work on this one thing that I really needed. Um, so, yes, I'll tell you more in like, you know, a couple months. <laughs> <Is there> <laughs> Sorry, just being real. <laughs> no, you're I good. have a question to kind of go off of that one. Is there one, mm -hmm. like a specific part of your body that you're really focusing on, whether it's like the lower half or the upper half to really gain that strength? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so actually, I've been focusing a lot on my core, and it feels amazing. I feel like I feel really stable and strong. And then on my hamstrings, they've been so weak, and I really needed their strength to kind of have the stability through impact, and also to help me not have um, lower back pain. That's helped me a lot. That's funny that you say that because I um, I was experiencing some low back pain as well throughout my swing and um, my golf instructor mentioned that like the strong hamstrings would really help with that. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really like to spin, which is mm -hmm. really good for um, really good for your legs. But at the same time, like if you're not doing it right, it can really put a strain there. So it's, it's very interesting how it's like all connected. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we've got another question from Stump Nav. What is the biggest difference between playing in Europe and the U.S.? Okay. Um, well, I think in Europe, first of all, um, most of the time I'm used to playing, at least in continental Europe, I'm used to playing off bent grass. So when you get to the States, you know, as soon as you have tournaments in Florida, you're faced with Bermuda grass and all kinds of grain that you got to get used to. Um, I think we also have a little bit more parkland courses rather than the U.S. It's a little bit more grander and bigger and a lot of big bunkering. You know, we have more kind of old style golf courses, more traditional ones. Um, If you take away, obviously, Great Britain and Ireland. Cool. And then a follow up for that from Bill Nett was what are what's your favorite course, one in the U.S., one in Europe and one in Asia? Okay, cool. Um, the U.S., it's Cypress Point, right next to Pebble. Uh, in Europe, it would be, um, I'm still going to go with St. Andrews. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, uh, yeah, just love that golf course. And um, in Asia, that is a really good question. Um We've kind of played, I know I haven't played tons of golf courses over there just because we kind of go back to the same ones. Um, Let me see. Um, I'll probably go with the one that we play in Thailand every every year. It's called CM Country Club. Is there, um, like, I think we don't get to see a lot of, like, golf in Asia. We get to see it when you guys are there and then a couple times on the men's. But um, can you describe, like, the difference in climate there and, like, the challenges that you might have playing over there versus playing um, on the West Coast? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's always funny when someone says Asia because it covers such a big continent and so many time zones Mm -hmm. and so many different climates. So when we're over there for, like, four or five years, weeks you know we actually travel you know might have like a whole overnight trip just to get to the next tournament which is like seven hours away you know you go from malaysia to japan or something so um actually there's a lot of differences you know uh, japan might be kind of more like our four seasons weather you know in new york and then malaysia is just super hot and humid just like thailand so it's a lot of adjustments you have to make, make every week and um Taiwan we've played I played in so much rain there and so much wind as well so there's just pretty much everything you can imagine you get there how do the um, fans differ from country to country have you noticed is there different styles of golf etiquette in tournaments and um, Mm -hmm. what are your fans like (laughs) <laughs> you mean like all around the country or uh, I mean yeah. all around different countries yeah just um they're different so countries. different yeah so different um I think that let's see um in Europe they're a little bit more reserved you know we got like the very polite clap and um except for the Solheim Cup they got wild there in Germany which I loved <laughs> um <laughs> and Asia it's also so different for example when we play in Korea, people have their cell phones out and they can't, you can't turn off the noise when it, when you take a picture, it's like not allowed as a law. So you'll have a lot of clicking going on and there'll be tons and tons of people. They're very, they just absolutely adore women's golf and it gets, it gets rowdy and crazy. Um, 
I think the Japanese fans, they're, they're super polite and there's a lot of them. Um, and then I would say the British golf fans are very knowledgeable and probably I'd say, yeah, pr pretty, pretty cool sport. They're, they're really good. <laughs> and of course America as well, you know, uh, we always feel, yeah. Um, Do you prefer like cool. a, do you prefer a crowd that's like really loud and like hypes you up or are you more like you like the quiet so you can really focus? Um, I think I can focus when, you know, I'm playing my shot and then if they get loud, that's totally fine with me. I think the <laughs> sport needs a bit of excitement and a bit of fun and um, people being able to let loose a little bit. Nice. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, like a cool story of interacting with maybe one of your younger fans? Yes. Um, I so I have this little program where I have um, girls from girls golf walk with me inside the ropes, especially on the West Coast swing. And they're just the cutest. <laughs> you know, they could be anywhere from like, six to you know, 18. Um, but some of the little ones that I had walk with me, they're just adorable. I mean, they, you know, a lot of the times they're quite shy. But um, at the end of the day, um, they'll or I get a letter in the mail later saying oh this was like the best day of my life and they were so shy in the moment but when I get this letter I'm just like oh this is so cool I'm glad I did this and um they just have these big ball eyes and they just love you know soaking it all in and that's kind of their little dream that they have so it's cool if you could go back to their age and you could like talk to your younger self what would what's like the one piece of advice you would give yourself Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think it would be to the one piece of advice would be to um, practice and play the way you want to and the way you, like, your heart tells you to do instead of what you have to do, what you should do. Because it's just so easy to get caught up in looking at other tour pros or comparing yourself to seeing, oh, this is what they're doing. This is why they're good. I should be doing this. When really you need to listen to what works for you and um, knowing that if you follow that path, that everything's going to be all right. That's cool because you did, you started at a really young age, right? Like around six, six or so. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like for you, like growing up to play golf and then, you know, turning professional? Um, like, just would you say that that like you just gave that advice to yourself? Is that how what was it like, you know, that relationship with your dad and um, like growing up playing golf in Europe? Mm. Well, I think I only played during vacations and holidays with my parents and until I was 14. And then I joined the club and. I did a lot of other things. I did ballet and violin and had a lot of schoolwork. So I don't think I had like the traditional upbringing of a pro golfer. Um, I think the most I started practicing was when I got to college. So it was still, I was like the odd one in Germany. You know, no one really thought golf was cool or anything. So I was always a bit different. And um, yeah, I, I think I lived a lot of my talent um, and my parents had to push me a little bit. And of course there were times where I didn't want to play and I didn't want to practice, 
Um, but I still did. And of course, this is kind of like, it's so hard to give advice to parents. And they asked me, oh, what should I do with my kid? He's talented. I'm like, well, it's like this fine line between letting them do what they love, but also giving them a little nudge, because I think most kids kind of want to drop whatever they're doing, unless they're like, super, super passionate about it. Uh, you know, at some point in their teenage years. So I had that moment when I was 16, I was thinking about, well, should I really do this or not? And I decided I did. And um, I loved at that time actually competing against guys at my club. Like um, I was part of a team with guys and I just loved beating them and I loved <laughs> hanging out with them and playing with them. So uh, I think that was a huge motiva motivator for me. Was there anyone in particular that really inspired you to continue playing? Um, no, so I, we never really had women's golf on TV. So I was always watching men's golf. Um, I had the biggest crush on Adam Scott when I was younger. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I think, yeah, he came to Germany a couple of times. I watched him play. So this was someone that definitely inspired me. Um, Ernie Els as well. Just loved his swing. And um, then, like I said, I think it was my buddies at my club that I just, you know, was competing against. And that kind of, like, this, like, little competitiveness inside of me to beat the guys was definitely a big driving force. Have you kept in touch with any of them? Yeah, yeah, I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they still give me crap on Instagram or <laughs> <laughs> true friends, true friends. <laughs> that's so funny mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. well I do want to ask you a little bit more about some of these retreats that you've gone on um uh -huh. I was talking to Barry Lida yesterday and he was like yeah she goes to these monasteries and she doesn't talk to anyone <laughs> for like five days um I think that's, I think that's incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about like what you, what runs through your mind and like that whole experience? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so yeah, I did maybe three or four silent retreats um, in California and they, um, <clears throat> yeah, they were amazing. Um, this was kind of my first intense start with meditation and they're usually like seven or eight days where it's like no cell phone, no books, no talking, like no contact with anyone and you you meditate and you sit down and then you alternately sit and walk. And it's actually in like a beautiful setting outside on the countryside. And um, what goes through my mind, I think the first two or three days are super intense because you kind of come from, you know, this world, like everything is really loud in your mind and uh, hustle bustle. And then you just need to kind of slow down and um, drop into the silence. And once you've kind of relaxed into that, it's actually pretty magical, but it's really a different experience each time, just depending on where you're at in your life. So I remember the first time I was like completely blissed out because, um, yeah, you just really able to relax and drop into the moment. Um, there was another time that I felt like a lot of emotions came up and it was kind of difficult for me. Um, and yeah, and actually the last retreat I did in October was nothing like this. I also put my phone away for eight days, but it was more kind of getting in touch with your shadow side and kind of accepting like all of you and um, also sharing with other people and um, a lot of dancing. Um, 
and you know definitely a lot of self the reflection as well so it was very different um and now i still love the silent meditation but like i said earlier i also love other forms of meditation whether it's art or dancing or music do you have any trips um coming up or any monasteries that you um have on your travel wish list um i don't have well the one that i really love that i've been to many times is called spirit rock um it's just north of san francisco it's a buddhist um uh, meditation center it's not a monastery um and then i i mean i've always thought i wanted to kind of visit um tibet or india to kind of look at different places there but kind of it needs to be more like i stumble upon something you know it's not really that i have one place picked out i feel like the universe kind of leads you to where you should be is there um something that you would recommend you know like everyone's home now for people who haven't really meditated before or tried something that like gets them connected with themselves is there anything that you can recommend even for like a 5 minute to put your mm -hmm. mind at peace mhm mm yeah different things um i have an app called insight timer and there you can just kind of uh, do little guided meditations that they offer there's tons of them they're amazing or you can just set the timer for 5 or 10 minutes and i recommend doing it either like first thing in the morning or just before you go to sleep and um i've noticed i've done it a lot in the mornings and it could just be actually just putting some nice music on like for 10 minutes and just closing your eyes and listening to it and it just automatically gets you into more feeling and into your body and um it's a different start of the day than if you start and look at your phone right away so if you can like hold out and you know not that i manage every time but <laughs> when i do Nobody's it's always perfect. a really cool day <laughs> Mhm. Mm I've noticed that too um that being in in this isolation <laughs> inside my house 24/7 um just taking like 5 minutes to like work on my breathing and just like sit there and control my heart rate and just be still and mm -hmm. it, if I take that 5 minutes it makes the next 5 hours just so much more peaceful and like better mm -hmm. than if I were to not mm -hmm. do it. Mhm. Mm yeah, I agree. I think um I just did that today. I thought I was kind of pretty quiet and doing things slower and doing less in a day than I have been before. You know, I think everyone experienced this like the days go by pretty quickly and you you know, it's not like you have this big list of to do to do, but you just have maybe two or three things you want to do. And I and today I thought I I just need to sit down and I sat down for half an hour just in quiet and I lay down and just connected with myself and I feel so much better right now. I just really needed it. Such a great opportunity right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um I guess just a couple more questions. Sarah, how's your painting going over there? I It's know. good. Your painting. You guys want to see it? You yeah. want to see it. So I got this little oh. pattern going. Sandra, I was inspired by like all the plants in behind you. 
So, oh my yeah. goodness, yes, this is like, yes, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love like the nature vibe, and like I'm a big fan of patterns. So, yeah, I'll just so there's going this plant like on the <laughs> ceiling here. You can oh, see. Wow. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> How did you get it up there? No, I didn't. My boyfriend did. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. that's super super mm-hmm. cool. Um, so while you're home, you know, like, what are you cooking and stuff as you're, you know, spending a lot of time, a lot of people have said, um, that this is like, everyone's learning to be a really great chef. I know we've been watching like a ton of food network and whatnot, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we need some inspiration. Mm -hmm. Well, so I made a chocolate cake the other day. Um, (laughs) I made a vegan chocolate cake with a chocolate frosting and, it's just the two of us, so we've been, like, eating it every day. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think the last few weeks I've actually been kind of obsessed with making kind of vegan desserts, kind of the ones that, like, different chocolate bars that you can put in the freezer. But it's really bad because when I was in Florida, I was by myself, and then I kept eating it. I was like, no, I can't do this. I need to give it away to friends. I'm going to, you know, come out the other end big and fat. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but it's been so much fun. I just really love making vegan desserts. It's like a really passion. Um, but yeah, I, I think though, one thing I wanted to say that I noticed when I've been going through Instagram is that everyone's giving out so many tips of what you can do now in this time off. And sometimes it's like, well, what if we just don't do that much? You know, like we don't need to get better at so many things. We can just be like, it's, as stressful as it is and what's happening and like just kind of follow your heart with what feels good at this moment is just fine that's a really good point you know we have like stressful enough lives as it is and it's a really good chance to like chill a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um speaking of instagram is that like your favorite way to connect with people if it's if you're talking about social media yeah absolutely mm-hmm I think it's turned out that way, yeah. Do you have, like, three Instagram accounts that you'd recommend for people to follow? Oh, you caught me off guard here. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, so my top one would be Yoga Girl. I don't know if okay. you know her. Mm-hmm. Um, no? Okay. She has, like, over 2 million followers, but she's, like, super authentic and down-to-earth and um, just, yeah... I just really love her authenticity, basically. Um, uh, there's another girl. It's a German account. Um, so maybe I can recommend that one. Um, I have a f- really good food account. It's called Flora and Vino. She does amazing recipes that are vegan, but like great desserts and things. Like I just love looking at those. Um, so let's just stick to those two for now. Nice. I've just followed both of them. Okay, awesome. Pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Sandra, this was so much fun getting to talk to you, um, even virtually, and we're really hoping that we can do this again sometime soon for, you know, who knows how long we're going to be yeah. sitting at home. But um, And then, you know, obviously, once things are back up and running, hopefully we'll see you in Carlsbad or somewhere, maybe even Florida, um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, get some content with you and do another one of these. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you, guys. Let me see the picture. How how far have you gone? 
Oh, not a, not much further than that. I was really focused on mandala. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to continue with it and see where it goes. But that's, that's awesome. kind of what I was thinking. I yes. love your plants in the background too. Oh, so thank cool. you. I'm a huge plant <laughs> fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got one from my new house and I never had a plant the last 12 years because I was traveling so much and now I have great neighbors who take care of it. So I'm really happy. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love plants. I just mm-hmm. got this big bed mm-hmm. boy right here. So. Oh, pretty. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's cool. Maybe you guys can send me some tips because I'm terrible at keeping plants alive. Yeah, you look very yeah. empty there. <laughs> I know, I'm all empty. Well, I'm, I'm staying with my boyfriend, so this is a makeshift office. But even at my own gotcha. house, I have, like, an orchid, and that's mm-hmm. about it. I can keep the mm-hmm. orchid alive. Succulents, things that don't require, like, a ton of water. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone where they can follow you if they don't follow you already? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I think my main... Uh, account would be Instagram. Um, it's the Sandra Gal, and then you can also follow me on Twitter. It's the same thing, the Sandra Gal, and I have a Facebook fan page as well. So that'd be awesome, great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so don't forget to follow Sandra. You can ask us any questions through Callaway Golf's accounts as well. We'll be doing um, one podcast a week virtually should be really fun um but yeah send us in some questions we'll let you know who's going to be our next guest and we'll see you next time on girls and golf awesome thank you guys